Uh, one of the things that I, uh, I want to encourage you is as we continue to wrap up this series, we're going to wrap it up next Sunday. Pastor Trent and myself will be doing that shared preaching again. It'll be a preach off. So you'll want to be here uh, live. Uh, sorry, online, not live yet. Online to, to see us wrap up this series on the good work and how God calls us to the good work even in the midst of a season that we look at and we go, how could anything good come out of this? Today we're going to talk about something that's really important. I'm excited to, to share this message. I hope that you can sense that in your homes. But how do we stand strong in the face of, of opposition? Here's what I hope you'll understand. Anytime that God leads you, anytime that God prompts you to do something meaningful, to do something that you're going to be called to make a difference in, something that's generous, something that benefits someone else, something that's lasting, something that's not normal, expect opposition. You can count on, on obstacles. You can expect that there's going to be spiritual resistance, that resistance that's going to come. You can expect your work to slow right down, to frustrate you, to tire you out. If you look at the stories in the Bible, Adam and Eve are serving God, and the evil serpent comes to resist them, to distract them from God's will. Moses had Pharaoh. David had Goliath. If you go to the New Testament, Jesus had, had Herod, he had the Pharisees, he had the Jewish leaders, he had his friend Judas, he had Satan, and he had the demons. Nehemiah, where we've been spending our last three weeks in, Nehemiah, the person we're looking at, he had Sanballat and Tobiah. Sanballat and Tobiah and others opposed the, the work. Well, if you haven't been with us for two weeks, let me just quickly remind you of the story. Nehemiah was this ordinary guy. He's a cupbearer. He was a servant. He heard about the, the plight of his people, the, this, the frustration that his people had. They were about a thousand miles away. They were in a horrible situation. The city had been destroyed by the, the Babylonians. And his heart started to break. And he realized somebody has to do something about this. Well, if, if it's not going to be anybody, it might as well be me. And so he seeks God and he, he asks for favor from God. He approaches the king. May I go back and, and rebuild the city? It's a fascinating story of a spiritual journey, a, a heart of a, of a leader who's an ordinary guy who believed that God could do something through him that had never been done before. So he, he went back, he rebuilt the gates before rebuilding the walls. And as you read this, you see that he is leading a group of people who are rebuilding the sheep gate, the fish gate, the valley gate, the horse gate, the water gate, the dung gate. Now, I'm not making these things up. The water and the dung gate. Which gate would you choose to live by? I know which one I'm not choosing. 
Thanks, Pastor Trent, for, for that. That's awesome. We know what Trent's not choosing. He's an inspiring. He's an ordinary guy. And he inspires ordinary people just like you and me. In other words, I'm a pastor. I don't know how to build a gate. And he's recruiting people that are similar to, to pastors. They're not, they're not people who are carpenters. He was working with, and you can read this in scripture, he was working with jewelry makers, merchants, store owners, and perfume makers. And the cool thing with Nehemiah is they start making progress. For the very first time in a long time, the gates were coming up. There was progress being made on the walls. And people started to think, maybe, just maybe, we can do this. The moment that you, you tend to start doing things that glorify God is the moment that you can expect spiritual opposition to show up. We're going to spend some time in, in Nehemiah. So if you have your Bibles, Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 1 says this. When Sambalat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed, he mocked the Jews. In verse 2, he says this, What are those feeble, those weak Jews doing? In Hebrew, when he's saying feeble, he's saying they're hopeless, they're lifeless. They have no chance of rebuilding these walls. Look at verse 2. And in the presence of, of his associates, his friends, and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews actually doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? I love this shot. Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble? Burn, destroyed as they are. Listen to verse 3. Tobiah, the Ammonite, who is at his side, his friend, said, what they are building, even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. Just remember, when the work starts to happen, opposition will always show up. This is true for some of you. Who knows, perhaps in the last two weeks, you were moved in a direction of doing something that you actually thought would make a difference. And all of a sudden, opposition showed up. It could be as simple as you decided to check out God again for the first time in a long time, and this week you've been incredibly grumpy. It could be that you're trying to get out of debt, and you've said, we're going to pay off all these bills, and the moment you declare it, your car breaks down, and you have a $700 repair. And maybe you've told somebody that's close to you, this is what I believe God is asking me to do. And the first thing that they say to you is, who do you think you are? That's stupid. You don't have what it takes. Someone that you love actually shoots down your idea. Once again, don't be surprised when you face opposition. Don't be surprised when you take a step of faith and you see your enemy push back. Because advancement in the kingdom of God always invites opposition. What do we know about our enemy, the, the devil, Satan? 
He doesn't bother those that aren't a threat. If you're walking his way, doing his will, Satan's will, he's going to leave you completely alone. But the moment you step out, the moment that you try harder, that you work to honor God, he works hard to stop you from doing what God put in your heart. So once again, if you don't want opposition, what I'd recommend is just coasting along. Do your comfortable thing. Create the perfect little environment for your safe life where you can show everyone on Facebook how blessed you are. Whatever you do, don't engage. Don't you dare pray. Don't serve. Don't give. Don't care about anything of God. You can do some spiritual things. Just enough to make you feel good. But don't do enough that it's going to make a real difference. The moment you step out of your comfort zone and try to represent God to the world and do something significant is the moment that Satan steps in to try to stop you from doing the work of God. You don't want any opposition? Just stay out of the game. Live a self-centered life. And you're probably going to be left out of trouble. God is calling some of you to step up, to serve, to pray, to tithe, to invite, to show love, not just in the church, but as the church in the world. And the moment you do, guess what? You'll face opposition. Nehemiah, the, the man that we're studying, steps up. And Sabalat and Tobiah come and try to tear him down. So how do you respond to critics? The answer is most times you don't. I want you to notice what Nehemiah doesn't do. He doesn't respond. He doesn't answer. He doesn't defend. In fact, what I hope you'll understand is your response isn't going to convert your critics. The only thing that a response actually does is it validates your critics. When you acknowledge your critics, you actually give them power. They're not really that important if you don't respond. My goal is to do the will of God. It's not easy to step out. It's not easy to have people criticize you. It's never easy to deal with those who oppose you. But it's even more difficult when you deal with doubt from the people that you love. You're going to feel called by God to do something, to take that step of faith. And someone you love, someone you trust, someone you respect is going to say strong words of discouragement. Who do you think you are? You're not prepared for that. Don't sell yourself short. You should do something different. Don't be stupid. Who do you think you really are? At different points in, in my journey, there's been those people. There's been the, the person who's looked at me and said, I wouldn't even send my friends there. There's been the person going, how are you qualified for that? But as I look back, God always knows. Yes, it's difficult when the people that are closest to us don't believe in what we're doing. But let me say this to you. It isn't a message this morning about coming out of COVID, where we wait. This is a message for us right now. I need you to wrestle through this at home, is what is God calling you to? 
truthfully, in the midst of this pandemic, what is God actually calling you to? Whatever it is, you're not too old, you're not too young, you're not too uneducated, you're not too overeducated, you're not too this or that. The thing that concerns me most about COVID isn't the disease, but it's that it shut us all down for ministry. And it's not just meeting in the building. When you step out, opposition always steps in. That's why, that's why it's really important in any form of leadership, any form of influence, any form of ministry, I always tell myself, I'm not going to be moved by praise or criticism. I'm not going to let praise get too far into my head, and I'm not going to let criticism get too far into my heart. I'm not going to be moved by what people think. I'm going to try to be moved by what God thinks. Here's what Nehemiah knows. He knows that, that he doesn't answer to his critics. He understands that he answers to God. And so instead of engaging at that low level, he turns to prayer. Remember Nehemiah from that first week? Man, I just need to pray. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 4 and 5 says this, Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as, as plunder in a land of ca captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot away their sins from their sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Can you sense the emotion that's in that prayer? Hear us, O oh God. They hate us. We're despised. We're rejected. Look at what Nehemiah prayed. Look back at verse 4 and 5. I can guarantee this is not what Jesus taught us to pray. Maybe Nehemiah could have learned from Jesus, but he's so frustrated. He says this, turn their insults back on their heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Don't cover up their guilt. Don't blot out their sins. Don't forgive them. They're insulting the people that are doing your work, God. These people, my friends, have worked with all their heart. So what does Nehemiah do in the face of opposition? Watch what he does. He prays to God and then he gets back to work. He sought the, the heart of God, then he went back to work. And the wall continued to go up. Why? Because people worked with all their heart. There wasn't room for critics up there in their heart because they were doing the work of God. They weren't lowering themselves to fight the people who were arguing about petty things because they had a higher calling to do the will of God. They went to God in prayer, and then they went back to doing the work of God. What I love about Nehemiah is that he does this over and over and over again. He was both spiritual and practical. He would pray as if everything depended on God, and then he worked as if everything depended on him. I think there's some of us that need to be a little less practical and a little more spiritual. And guess what? There's some of us who need to be a little less of this 
and a little more of the other. We need you, God. We need you, God, to guide our steps. We need you to show us how to work. We need your direction. But we roll up our sleeves. God, we need your power. Yet we grab our shovels. God, we need your grace. But we're willing to do whatever you call us to do. We're going to take a moment to pray, and then we're actually going to show up back to work. Look at verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength, we're getting fatigued, the strength of the laborers is giving out. There's so much rubble. We just can't rebuild the wall. Last week, Trent showed us progress. This week, we see discouragement. And this is what exactly happens to so many of us when we step into doing what we believe is the will of God. We see a little bit of progress, and then we get a little bit of opposition. Look at verse 11. Our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to our work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they're going to attack. What do we see? We see Nehemiah's friends, his people, the people of Judah, starting to doubt. They're not just doubting what others are going to do. They're actually doubting what they can do. They're doubting that they, can get the ability, they, they have the ability to get the job done. I don't know about you, but at every type of opposition, whether it's spiritual, whether it's external opposition from others, whether it's opposition from people who love me, the one that is most hard for me to deal with, most difficult for me to deal with, is the internal opposition. It's when my own insecurities raise their ugly head and say, Matt, who do you think you are? You don't have what it takes. I want to be just really honest with you. The most uh, difficult battle I face is the voice, the tape recorder in my head that tells me again and again, Matt, you'll never be enough. No matter how hard you try, you're always going to be inadequate. And that voice echoes, it actually haunts my soul. Matt, you can never get it done. You'll never be good enough. You'll never ever measure up. Here's what I've learned and it's gonna come on the screen for you. The external opposition will only be as loud as my internal insecurities allow them to be. Let me say that again. The external opposition, whatever they say, will only be as loud as my internal insecurities allow them to be. That's why we rise above it. That's why we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's why we don't look to the right and we don't look to the left. It's why we don't listen to what others say. We keep our, our hearts higher. This is exactly what Nehemiah does. Look at, at, at verse 14. 
Nehemiah is hearing the people. They're discouraged. They're giving up. They don't think it can be done. And Nehemiah says this, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, to the officials, to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great, who is awesome. He's going to fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Don't be afraid of the enemies. Don't be afraid of Symbalat and Tobiah and all those evil voices. Don't be afraid of what they're going to say. Remember the Lord who is awesome and great. What does Nehemiah do? He takes the focus off himself and he puts it back to God. He takes the focus off the naysayers and he puts the focus back on God. And he's saying, this isn't our battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. Our God is with us. Our God is for us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We believe that all things are possible with our God. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We know that when we walk in the power of God, God walks with us. My focus is not on what they say. I remember the hand of my God. I remember when I prayed for months and months and God granted the king favor and turned his heart and let me go. I remember when the king provided protection and provision. I remember when he blessed me to go out. I remember when God gave me favor with the people. I remember when I was nothing and the walls started to go up. I remember that God provided it all. God made it all possible. He said, remember the Lord your God. You see, remember the the goodness of our God. Remember when our ancestors were in Egyptian bondage and God split the Red Sea and the people walked out on dry land. And when the enemies pursued, God closed up the sea and washed the enemies away. Do you remember when God led our people with fire by night and fed us every day with manna from heaven? Do you remember the goodness the faithfulness of our God. In 1 Peter 4, verse 12, the author reminded us of something that is so true to us today. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange was happening to you. So today, my friends, let's be like Nehemiah, where we take a moment to pray And then we show up back to work. There is still work to be done in this season. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity that we have to hear your words from a character who looks a lot like us. We easily could put our names into that story where we're either Nehemiah trying to lead people to what God is calling us to, or we're like the people rebuilding the wall where everything else just looks so huge. God, in this season, let's be people of prayer, but let's also be people of work. 
There is work to be done, even in the midst of a pandemic. Lord, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. We love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. As we close this service, there's going to be uh, a, a set of questions that come up on your screen. Uh, they'll be on there for, for a minute. Uh, you might want to grab your phone and just snap what is on your screen so that you can wrestle through these questions later on in, in the day or this week. May the God of peace give you great wisdom this week. May the God of peace show up in such a way that you feel peace in your life and you can be a peace giver to someone. Uh, may the Lord protect you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Thanks for joining us this Sunday morning.